welcome to this bonus episode of Between Sermons. Uh, my name is Brent, and uh, what we're doing here usually is trying to turn a monologue from Sunday into a dialogue during the week, because uh, nobody likes to just be talked at. We like to be talked with and talked to, and so that's what we're trying to do. Now, one of my jobs as a pastor is to kind of wear multiple hats. I think uh, often I'll end up being a, a jack-of-all-trades, master of none. And my lane really is the, the church world, but we're doing a series right now uh, where we are talking about our faith Monday through Friday and Saturday too. And so what does it look like when we take our faith outside of the four walls of the church and, and actually have to live it out? What, is, what does faith look like when we're at work on Monday afternoon? Uh, and so today I have uh, an extreme honor uh, to be able to have our special guest, uh, Mark McLean, with me today. Uh, and he is the CEO and founder of uh, uh, SailPoint. I almost got that name wrong, nope, uh, nope. but I, <laughs> I'll get it right eventually. Uh, and it's, uh, it's identity security, but it's not like identity theft. Can you right. kind of walk us through what, it, what is it that you do? Yeah, the company's primary product area is for large-scale enterprises. Think very, very big corporations. And if you think of the challenge we all have with managing accounts and passwords, which we all struggle with, and how do we remember passwords and keep track of them and all that, well, if you take that problem into the corporate world, it's pretty hard, right? You've got maybe thousands to tens of thousands of employees. You may have hundreds or thousands of applications that these people use to do their job. Mm -hmm. And if you think of the risks now associated with any of that being incorrect, right? So <laughs> I compromise you, Brent, and then I use that to get into all these other systems and app activities you can do. I can do a lot of bad things. I can steal money. I can ruin reputations. Yeah. I can take systems down. So the focus on protecting what's called identity and access yeah. in, in the enterprise scale is very important now. And by the way, it was important before it got worse when we went to cloud computing yep. and all that stuff. And then it got worse again during COVID yeah. when everybody ran home to work. And the company said, please work on the corporate laptop. And sometimes people did. And sometimes they worked on their kid's laptop. And they were not protected. And their data wasn't yeah. protected. So just the focus on protecting all of this information has become quite quite high priority for pump yeah. companies and therefore been a great, great um, support for our business to grow over the years. Yeah, I, I can only imagine. I mean, uh, so we have about 30 employees uh, that I oversee here at, at CLC and, uh, you know, we would love as a church, we'd love to have those people employed with us for life, mm -hmm. uh, but that's not always the case. And passwords get out and uh, access to things uh, changes. And that's right. I can only imagine the headache that is. So at 30 people, that's that's a stressor. Put a few zeros uh, on yeah, that. Yeah, at three hundred thousand employees, that <laughs> exactly. becomes uh, well. Good luck to you on that. Yeah. Uh, but it that's sounds like you guys are, are fairly successful in this. We have done uh, well, and yes. we might be uh, uh, kind of on the short side of uh, <laughs> of saying successful. Uh, you guys have really done extremely well. Right, it's been a good uh, business. And so that's that's awesome to hear. But you are uh, kind of a guy that can't just do one thing at a time. You had to become an author as well and a and a, a speaker. I've seen, mm -hmm. uh, and so. So tell me a little bit about your book. Yeah, that was a fun, unexpected twist in the journey. This whole journey's had a lot of unexpected twists. <laughs> but um, yeah, a few years ago, I'd, I'd written some articles, and this is pretty common for uh, Forbes magazine. They have columns and blogs, and they take input from all kinds of folks on that. Mm -hmm. But they, they reached out to our team and said, hey, you know, would Mark ever be interested in doing a book? And I'm like, no, I have no time <laughs> for that. So kind of busy with this day job, kids, grandkids, all this fun. I thought maybe at the end of the day job, journey you yeah. know <clears throat> excuse me when i'm done with the with running the company someday sure maybe i would do a book no 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 we could help you know insert ghostwriter right insert something <laughs> to help you and so um kind of 
the process was pretty simple because I, the other the other caveat going into it was I'm like I don't have some really great big one idea that I need to support with 12 supporting points and mm-hmm. chapters like I have a lot of opinions about a lot of things but <laughs> there's a bunch of different topics and they're like oh we could do it with like a whole bunch of small chapters it's almost be like a collection of blogs I'm like this I can do I have okay. I have opinions on a lot so I think the book has I haven't counted again lately I think it's like 54 chapters or something <laughs> like that I always warn people now don't freak out most chapters are half a page, a page. I think the longest chapter is six pages. The, the goal was you could read any chapter in five minutes or less. That is Many my kind of reading. Or less, right? Uh, for the Reader's Digest generation, they can relate to this. You know, just a few minutes, put it down, come back to it later. So it's very topical and just kind of addresses a wide range of issues about, again, how do you, how do you build a great team? How do you build a great organization with what I've kind of learned over the years? Yeah. What's the title of the book and where can people get it? It's uh, on Amazon. <laughs> I'd say if, if you either get my name or the company name, it's easy to find. I've written one book, so it's not hard to find. <laughs> um, it's called Joy and, and there's a little cross out with or there, but Joy and Success at Work. And then there's a little fun double entendre in the subtitle, Building Organizations That Don't Suck, and there's a little pause, The Life Out of People. Awesome. And it kind of intends to address both issues. How do you build an organization that's not terrible to work at, yeah. but also how do you build your company in a way that people don't feel drained by yeah. the experience? And that's pretty common. Yeah, honestly, I, I even see that in, in the church world, Absolutely. Uh, that there are churches that uh, have just been known to kind of chew people up and spit them out. And, uh, you know, we, we try and do our best to create a culture here that, that we don't play into that. But, man, you know, coming right out of Easter here recently, it's it, there's there's some times when it feels like, man, this is a machine that it, it we've got to be very intentional and very careful not to fall into those traps. So I think that's that's an amazing thing that you, you wrote. Yeah, well, it is it is true in any form, but I think you're absolutely right. In the church, sometimes it's almost worse. Like, hey, we're doing God's work. You know, we're going right. to pay you very little and ask more of you. It's like, wow, yeah, I don't think much. that's okay. <laughs> so I, I think and in many companies, it's not a lot different. <laughs> it's still asking a lot of people, yeah. not necessarily. Now, in general, they're paying people better in the in the secular corporate world. But there's still sometimes the I own you. I, yeah. uh, you, you need to work all the hours I tell you. And. I think there's a, a bit of backlash, obviously, in the world of work today to some of that. Yeah. Some of that coming out of COVID, people kind of did the the great resignation, all the fun yep. terms. We heard like people were reassessing, like, am I really happy with how I'm being treated at this job, right. how how my company th- thinks of me? And we saw a lot of people vote with their feet, as they say. Yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. No, it's, it's brilliant. <laughs> so I, I would love to kind of hear a little bit of two journeys that you've taken. Mm-hmm. You know, what's, what's your journey in business, but also what's your journey in faith? You mm-hmm. know, so which, whichever one you want to start with. Uh, I'd love to hear both. Yeah, <laughs> they're interwoven. Yeah, no, I mean, I have strong faith heritage. I'm, I'm grateful to my parents for that. Kind of raised in a pretty strong Christian home, and kind of, uh, I used to say, kind of when the doors were open at church, we were there. One of those <laughs> kind of families. Um, and but you know, kind of went through my own wrestling with that as a young man, but never really kind of veered way off and had to come mm-hmm. way back. I challenged a little, but I kind of stuck to it for the most part. Um, and but along various points in the journey, I think I had to get a bit more serious about it. And yeah. Coming out of high school, going into college, I wasn't quite sure what I was going to do. Um, f- my dad was a social worker. My mom was a teacher. Oh, wow. So they were not business people. That uh-huh. wasn't in our heritage. Um, I actually thought at one point about going into, into pastoral work and ministry and things like that. And just just didn't feel like that was where I was supposed to be. So kind of headed into the business world. Not really started. Thought I might even go to law school at one point And ultimately just kind of found myself in the tech industry, which, you know, 
tech has turned out to be a great place to be for many decades now because it's constantly growing and changing yeah. and there's opportunity. But the twist was I started uh, at IBM, which in the 80s was actually a very cool place to get a job. I always tell young people that was kind of like the Google of that era. <laughs> I know you don't believe that today, but back then getting a job at IBM was pretty awesome. And so I kind of thought I'm, I'm starting at IBM as a 22-year-old or three, whatever I was, and I'll probably retire here. That was yeah. the mindset. I'll work here for 40 years, get the watch, you know, yeah. maybe get the middle management someday, something like that, right? And I like to say it probably wasn't my fault, but about the time I joined IBM, it started going downhill. There were 400,000 employees. I don't think I was personally <laughs> responsible, but, um, but it, it turned out that was a kind of a rocky journey. Then I went to HP, another big tech company that most mm -hmm. folks still know, and another three years. It went pretty well, but not fantastic. And at the end of a decade, I'm like, I'm not sure this corporate thing is actually what I'm supposed to be doing. So on a flyer, I spent my whole life in California at that point, uh, mostly Southern, a little bit Northern. On a flyer, I came to Austin, Texas for a job in tech in 1995. And I can assure you that while Austin's kind of gotten hip and cool, it wasn't <laughs> in 1995. When I told people I was leaving the Silicon Valley to go to Austin, they're like, what? <laughs> like, you're going to Texas? Nobody goes to Texas, especially for tech. So joined this small company. It did really well. I, I was not a founder and I just joined it, but it did well. Then it got went public. Then it got bought by IBM, ironically. Uh, so I found myself back. But anyways, it grew quite well. And that's when I kind of bought, got the entrepreneurial bug. Okay. So uh, with a group of guys uh, out of Tivoli, which by then was part of IBM, we started a business in 2000. And for the old folks on the podcast, that was kind of the tech bubble bursting, right? It had gone really well through the late 90s and then kablooey, yep. right? The dot bomb, dot com thing. So that was a rough start, but we we were not a we were not an eyeballs and consumer company. We were an enterprise software play for big business. So mm -hmm. we actually did okay, but it was just kind of a bumpy time to get a company right. out of the ground. And by the way, nine eleven hit. You know, yep. the second year of our existence, that was rough. And so we got through that four year journey and had a really nice outcome. We'd taken venture capital and all that, and then thought, well, that was great. We we stuck around with the company that acquired us for about a year, and then thought, well, that was great. A few of us decided, let's do that again. So we started this company, SailPoint, at the beginning of 06, with literally the assumption it would be another similar run. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and to make a very long, complicated story short, it, it went through venture backing. It did almost get acquired by a couple of big tech companies. Then we had a what's called a large private equity firm basically buy out all the existing investors and own the company thinking they would sell us to probably a large tech buyer later, except we were doing quite well then. And then all of a sudden the public market people started talking to us. Next thing you know, we're gearing up for an IPO. We went public in wow. 2017. The, we did quite well in that first year, so well that the private equity firm, which probably would have stayed for two to three years, gradually winding out their position, they were gone in 10 months. It was like wow. boom, boom, boom. They came out really fast. Um, and then we just ran as a public company till late 21, just not a little over a year ago now. And in a longer story than I can tell on this time, we got re reconnected. We had always stayed connected somewhat, but reconnected with that same PE firm. After some dialogue, they approached us about taking the company private, i.e. off the public stock market. Mm -hmm. We did that about six months ago with the idea of gearing up a bit larger, probably through some business acquisitions and maybe going public again someday. So it's just... It's turned out to this multi-decade journey that I thought probably would be a five-year journey. Yeah. We are quite big now compared to what I ever thought we would be. We've got about 2,500 employees all wow. over the world, 30, 38 countries. Um, it's, it's a real business, as I have to say. Yeah. Uh, and so that's the business side of yeah. it. The faith side of it, you know, I, I never again was um, unclear about my faith, but I was probably like a lot of folks in the business world kind of, kind of 
ethical, moral, you know, be high integrity, be yeah. honest, be, be truthful, don't run out and do things that some folks do on sales trips, yeah. <laughs> uh, things that they shouldn't probably do. The old what stays in Vegas is not true. Um, <laughs> it often follows you home. And so that's a, that's a bad plan. Right. So I, I was good there. I just kind of was, okay, I'll, I'll do the good, clean thing, right? And then I think as I got into this second company particularly, the first one kind of went fast and we had a good run. And this started to stretch out. And I, again, always felt like I was trying to inf infuse my faith into both how, how I led, certainly, but also kind of into the business at some level, right? Mm -hmm. Like we hosted some book clubs, which was originally just truly book clubs. It sort of turned into some Bible studies. Uh, we've incorporated something that not everybody knows can be done, but corporate chaplains. Uh, there are chaplain organizations, just like in the military, that serve the marketplace. Um, yeah. Two big ones, marketplace chaplains and corporate. And basically serve as counselors to our people when they need just yeah. counseling help that can turn into spiritual guidance, but yeah. often doesn't. You know, people just struggling with a teenager or yep. aging parents, all kinds of stuff. So we try to infuse a lot of uh, good care for people into the business. Mm -hmm. And then as a leader, it's it certainly absolutely driven how I approach leadership, right? I mean, we, we overplay these terms a lot. Servant leadership mindset, you know, I don't. Yep. It's not all about me. It's not about my ego. It's about how do I serve the team? How do yep. we lead together? How do we value people, even people that have wildly different views yep. uh, than mine? Again, we have people in countries all over the world who have very different faith traditions, yep. very different cultural backdrops. So I think as a, as a Christian in the marketplace, if you come in going, well, you know, you're going to kind of um, conform to my, uh, to my way of thinking, that's it's just a non-starter, frankly, yeah. right? So you, you have to go in saying, I'm going to love and accept people, even people I might disagree yep. with them philosophically, but I'm still going to love and accept them. Yeah. And that's the root of how I approach it. And, and really, that's the root of Christianity. I mean, I mean, if, if we can't love people, uh, I don't know that you can call yourself a Christian at that point, because, um, I mean, it really is. That's that's the foundation of all of it. Uh, you know, I, I always believe that um, <laughs> employers should look for Christians first uh, for employees like Christians should make the best employees. Uh, sadly, that's not always the case. Uh, but as as somebody that is, you know, hiring 2,300 people, 2,500 people, whatever it was, uh, you know, what what would you say to a Christian that's looking for a job that, that you would say, hey, look, the, these are some aspects of your faith that, mm -hmm. man, it, it translates so well into a corporate setting. Lean into those things. Like what, what kind of advice would you give there? I think it's right down the fairway what we were just talking about. Right. I mean, every every employer, um, whether Christian or not, wants employees that are high integrity. Mm -hmm high ethics and, and, and high work um, competence, certainly competence. I mean, there, there's, a, there's kind of a movement toward excellence that can, can be overdone, you know, coming mm -hmm. from Christians in the marketplace. Like, let's be excellent. Well, yes, we should be excellent. Sometimes that can turn into a workaholic almost yep. mindset of we're going to be so excellent, we're going to outwork everybody. Right. And like, well, no, don't go there. But yes, mm -hmm. be, do excellent work. You know, stay reasonably balanced in your life, yep. but do excellent work. Um, be dependable, be loyal. Um, yep. And importantly, as you and I were just saying, it, it is golden rule stuff, right? If you just treat others around you the way they, well, I always say the way they would like to be treated, maybe not the way even you would. That, that somebody, somebody changed that to the platinum rule. I don't know if we should ever try to upgrade <laughs> Jesus. That's probably not a bad, not a good idea. But, you know, they say, well, golden rule is treat others the way you would want to be treated. Platinum is treat others the way they would want to be treated. I'm like, well, in today's world, that's <laughs> kind of a dangerous gauge, but okay. Yeah. But, um, but that idea of just treating people well with dignity, with respect. And by the way, that doesn't mean we don't expect high performance. It doesn't mean right. we don't performance manage people and occasionally have to let people yeah. go. It, that, there's sometimes a misnomer that in the marketplace, oh, Christians just love everybody and they never tr never make 
firing decision. I'm like, no, we, we have to run yep. a good business. We, we yep. have outside investors. I have to honor their investment yep. and build a good business. Yeah. But yeah, I, I love high integrity, high ethics employees. And if they're a Christian, that's that's a bonus. But I, I can't make that a hiring criteria, right. obviously, right? But I, but I love having people of faith in the business. I also love all these people of multiple faiths in yep. the business. So we get to to see the, the kind of the diversity of the world and, and ideally give people a chance to encounter Christianity, hopefully in a positive setting. Yeah, yeah. You talked about that that excellence piece. I, I want to hit on that a little mm. bit more. I think it kind of it's almost like Christians can fall on e- on either side of this um, big chasm when yeah. it comes to excellence. I run into a lot of Christians that don't put in the kind of effort that they need to right. because they feel like, well, well, th- God's behind this, so it's going to be great. And you can look at like some Christian entertainment. Uh, as as some of that, mm-hmm. you know, the Christian movies, they're just not going to do as well. Uh, sometimes Christian music, it's like, you know, you probably should have spent a little bit more time learning how to sing before you <laughs> release that album. Uh, and so sometimes Christians can kind of get in this, this rut of just saying, well, God's in it, so I don't have to practice or I don't have to work mm-hmm. on it. Uh, and then there's also that, that opposite side of it where you do become this workaholic and right. uh, excellence becomes perfection. Yes. And, and none of us can live up to that expectation on ourselves and so uh kind of what advice would you have for for either side of that that chasm you know for those that are just trying to well i'm just trusting god and it'll be okay and those that uh have a horrible work-life balance (laughs) how do you how do you help them yes both 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 (laughs) things i've seen in my life as well and and by the way those same issues with non-believers as well right people that sometimes christians will hide behind uh the not working hard oh i'm I'm so focused on my family like Mm -hmm. yes i am focused on my family too but there are times when work calls for us to to work a little extra hard you you would probably been not great with people on your pastoral staff saying hey look i know it's easter and everything and it's kind of important but i i need to go to my kid's soccer game yeah this week you might have to miss the soccer game right and and that's the way the real world i like to say the real world is we we have to sometimes lean in on work because work demands it we just can't do that all the time that's what leads to workaholism and and that that goal of perfection and so i agree and at the low end of the scale if you back to your point about media i love referring to the chosen i'm a huge fan yeah and because as you said so often christian media was an oxymoron or christian quality media was an oxymoron right there was no such thing as quality (laughs) christian movies there was christian movies and good movies but they weren't the same thing and here you got this incredibly high quality well-written, well-acted, you know, well-staged, all that, and, and yet very, very clear on the biblical, biblical yeah. message. And so I think that's inspiring to see more Christians saying, we can yeah. be excellent. It can be done. It can be done, yeah. and, and, and we're going to live at that level. But again, never to the point of tipping over. Like you say, you see it in the church and the work world where people tip over to such a pursuit of excellence that it becomes perfectionistic, and now they're out of balance. And, you know, there's some very sad stories of leaders in the church and outside the church who basically kind of ignored their family in the pursuit mm-hmm. of a mission, and I don't think that's ever what we're called to do, yeah. right? So I think we have to figure out how to pursue excellence and do great work while never losing sight of the fact that people are also watching our relationships with our spouses, our yeah. relationships with our kids, and, you know, I, I don't personally, I don't believe God's pleased with someone in the pastoral or the business world who achieves excellence yeah. and leaves their family in the wake. That's right. that's not a good thing. Yeah, I think uh, too many uh, too many families have been a casualty of, of the ministry. Uh, too many pastors have sacrificed their family on that altar. That's right. Um, and, uh, you know, my my personal stance, I love this conversation because, uh, you know, what I coach people on or, or teach people all the time is that uh, work-life balance is not a short-term uh, endeavor. It's a long-term. And so there, there may be a season where you need to be leaning 
heavier into family because you got some family issues that we, we need to solve these problems. But there also may be times when you're needing to lean a little bit heavier into the work uh, and making sure that, you know, the bills are getting paid and, and the job's getting done. Uh, and so if you're trying to be light work life balance in a 24 hour period, not uh, you're, you're not going to you're not going to succeed. But you'll laugh. Brent, my uh, pastor and I taught a little on this in our church in home in Austin, uh, came up with this incredibly non marketing, very unsexy term that captures this quite <laughs> well, actually, which is, you know, when that you think of that pie chart of life, uh-huh. right, you got this these pieces of your life, you're trying to keep in balance your health, your family, your finances, your work, your hobbies, mm-hmm. whatever it is, right. And I say, here's what you need to strive for. So unsexy, temporary, healthy imbalance. Okay. Because okay. you're going to okay. be imbalanced. To, to your yeah. point, balance is only at best achieved over time. So at any point in time, you're imbalanced. That's a given yeah. <laughs> in almost all of our lives. But the trick is making sure it's temporary. Don't yeah. get to a permanent state of imbalance. Yep. And try to remain healthy while you're in that state of imbalance. So, so even if you have to work hard, make sure the important things don't get missed. I always say, I didn't miss anything important of my kids. I did not make every yeah. game. I certainly didn't make every practice. But um, but they knew I was going to be there when it was really important yeah. and mattered. And I have adult kids with kids now. And, and we talk about that. Like, hey, did I... Did I make you feel like you weren't important sometimes? Because yeah. I went like, no, Dad, I knew you would be there if it was a big deal. And yeah. and sometimes you miss stuff. And the older we got, we understood that there were some trade-offs, but we knew you were striving for that. Yeah. And so it's that re- remain uh, remain focused on temporary when you're out of balance, and you're always out of balance, and remain focused on as healthy as you can get, and then re- like you nailed it, it's rebalancing over time. Work was super demanding for the last month. I'm going to take a weekend to chill out and hang out with my family. You rebalance over over time. Yeah, I love it. Uh, so we kind of talked about it a little bit, but uh, I, I'm, I'm curious, how, how do you incorporate uh, your Christian values into your workplace? Because because you're the you're, you know, the founder, the CEO, you're the one setting culture. Right. So so how do you incorporate, you know, your your values? As you said, you've got uh, employees that are all across the world that have different faith backgrounds. So it's Absolutely. it's not like you can just come out and say, OK, here's our <laughs> here's our stance on Christianity. Yeah. Uh, so what are ways that, you know, because we've we've got people that are listening to this that are running their own businesses right. and they're trying to figure out, OK, you know, there, there's some Christian business out there, put the scripture on the bottom of the, the drink cup. And right. there's others that you'd never know that they're a Christian. Right. But, you know, what, what's kind of your approach for your company? Yeah, I, you, you're right on it. We talk about this a lot. Um, I have a lot of uh, peers at various levels and various kinds of businesses, private, public, large, small. And I think some people are called to be very explicit. Right. I think that is normally smaller family led businesses. Um, and if they can and will, they would. I, my, my favorite in the Christian world, we all, all the Christian crowd, we all know Chick fil A's Christian. I'm like, uh-huh. you realize the average person just goes there to get a chicken sandwich. Yeah. They have no idea. <laughs> yeah. By the way, they have no idea that's a soundtrack of Christian music without words playing in yep. the background. They're just like nice music, helpful, friendly teenagers serving me and yep. good food, right? So, th- you know, I think these businesses that are based on those kind of values, they, s- what I love about the Chick fil A story, give those guys all the credit they're due, right? They've built a culture that is, you know, again, friendly, warm, helpful, quality, and people flock to their restaurant yep. as a result. Now, we all know that what's behind that is a high attention to Christian biblical principles, yeah. but the people coming there for a chicken sandwich don't necessarily yeah. know that. They know just, I like going here. Yeah. I like the way I'm treated. I like the quality. I like the way they make things right if there's a problem. I mean, just all that stuff, right? So as a leader, I think you have to kind of decide where am I able to exist on that spectrum, right? 
I think um, the In-N-Out Burger guys, I think, still put scripture on the bottom of their cups, yep. as I knew, or something, right? So if you can do that, that's great. I think in many cases, a lot of us are more like stewards. We're more like Daniel and Joseph, okay? Mm-hmm. Those are the biblical examples I yeah, think yeah. are more and more relevant to a lot of us in the market. We're, we're not in a, in a Christian or even a godly-oriented organization, but we can live in such a way that people respect our leadership and, and the principles behind that leadership— and then I think at times we are given the opportunity to explain where that's coming from, yeah. but it's never my job to thrust that on anybody, right? right? It's not like, well, first you need to understand yeah. why I think what I think, yeah. right? For, like, I'm, I'm going to treat you well. You're going to feel appreciated and valued, and and you might wonder why that's kind of different than the boss you had at the last company. Yeah. Great. If so, let's talk about that, yep. right? Uh, and then I think as the company gets larger, it is an interesting tricky place to be on this concept of a platform yeah. right now i have a more of a platform when you go public there's a bit of a spotlight and all that stuff and so i have tried to use say my linkedin um posts a lot of them are just about our company and about security and about technology and then every so often i'll put one out there about sort of a, a biblical topic that may not be even identified as such mm-hmm. i went through the nine fruits of the spirit without ever calling them that <laughs> i love I it i just said you know there was this guy paul he was a contemporary of jesus and he said there was these nine things that that were really valuable and you know let's talk about them and how they apply at work joy peace patience you know yeah. and it was just it Beautiful. was a fun series all the christians were like way to go with the fruit of the spirit i'm like <laughs> i never said that you know that yeah. but nobody else knows that yeah. right so it's just a way to kind of say people appreciate values like love joy peace patience kindness yeah. right but I didn't have to say this is from second first yeah. Corinthians or whatever. Yeah. You know, I just said this is what we're going to talk about, right? Yeah. Um, so, anyways, or Philippians, sorry, but um, all that all that to say, I think at the end of the day, we we can the old. I think the St. Francis thing has been misused. Okay, <laughs> like you know the old uh, preach the gospel at all times when necessary use yep. words. I'm like, no, you sometimes have to use words, or people yep. don't know why you're doing what you're doing, <laughs> but you can overuse words. Like just kind of live salt and light out a lot and yeah. you will have opportunity to use your words but you yeah. need to use your words too i, I love that I, th- I feel like you just <clears throat> listened to one of my sermons here recently because i probably did because uh, <laughs> you know uh I'll, I'll talk about that quote because i think too many christians will use that as an excuse to to never open their mouth uh and it's like you know you're, you're kind of you're missing an opportunity but then you're right there are some out there that they they make it so uh forceful yeah uh that it's just you, you can't really I, I read a blog once that actually convinced me of why I had to avoid this, that he actually flipped it over hard the other way. He said, look, if you actually do that, you may actually be misleading people to think, oh, I get it. I'm just supposed to work hard and live right, and then God will love me. Yeah. It's almost like a works theology yep. if you yep. if you never talk about grace. Yeah. You're like, oh, wow, if I just show them by working hard, that's what it looks like to be a Christian. Yeah. They're going to go, okay, I get it. I just got to keep my nose clean, yep. you know, and then God will love me. It's like, no. Yeah, no, that's not that's how that brilliant. works. <laughs> yeah. You need to explain to them how grace works. Yeah. None of us are going to live perfectly. Exactly. God's going to accept us not on our own merit. Yep. We're going to live well in response to that, yep. not to get in. <laughs> I love it. Right. It's brilliant. Uh, I love uh, John Maxwell's approach to this kind of conversation. Mm-hmm. So he'll, he'll be doing one of his leadership uh, trainings at a corporate setting. Uh, and somewhere in there, he's going to ask the, the, the crowd, you know, hey, if, if you've ever wondered where I get this stuff from, uh, come back tonight at seven o'clock um, and we'll just have kind of a private conversation about where this all comes from. Mm. And without fail, he's got, you know, hundreds of people that will <laughs> yeah, show back yeah. up at seven o'clock. And then he <laughs> just sits there and says, well, here's the Bible. Yeah, here uh, and this is this man, Jesus. And, and everything that I taught you today, it comes from this book. Yeah. Uh, and so it's it's a brilliant way, I think, of, you know, he he doesn't force Christianity into right. his corporate conversations, uh, but he creates an opportunity. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think it's just a it's it, brilliant. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Approach. OK. Um, 
kind of as we're wrapping up this conversation, I wish we could just keep talking for a while. This, is, this has been great. But uh, uh, as people who know me well know, I could talk all day. So be careful what you wish for. <laughs> Watch out now. Uh, <laughs> any advice that you have for somebody that um, uh, is in a, a, a secular work environment, mm. uh, how can they be salt and light? You know, that's 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 our instruction yeah. as, as Christians. Uh, and so how, how can we do that in a way that is is God honoring, but is also especially in, you know, the, the culture that we're in. Uh, currently that it doesn't it doesn't get somebody canceled uh it doesn't get somebody you know talked about to hr uh but how how can we actually be salt and light in uh, in a non-christian environment it it really is golden rule stuff i i think sometimes we overcomplicate this stuff right if if in a work setting someone is hurting you're the one who's going to take the time to go ask them hey are you doing all right i could see Mm -hmm. in that meeting you were not feeling great um or or even offering to help them with something because they're feeling overwhelmed it's the it's the the Christian who, when there's some inappropriate joking happening in the break room, goes I, I, either just walks away yeah. or might even have the courage to say, I, I don't know if this yeah. is okay. Now, look, some of the laws around us and focus on harassment and things have, ha- have actually helped some of this. Yeah, yeah. But but I still think there's a difference between, again, a legalistic of following of that and being known as the person who who just isn't going to participate when there's gossip or coarse, yeah. coarseness. Um, and, and I think, you know what sometimes I think is true for a lot of Christians in secular workplaces is we all know we're fallible and we're going to mess up. And I think I used to struggle with this. Maybe others will relate to this. Like, well, if I'm out there and clear about who I am and then I mess up, they're going to think bad about Christians. Um, I I had a great uh, convicting moment once with one of my pastor buddies. I I used to say, I don't have a fish on the back of my car um, because, you know, sometimes I speed and I wouldn't want to be a bad witness. He goes, or maybe you should not speed. (laughs) <laughs> oh, wait, there's a great option. Um, and so I think there's a sense of, by the way, I still don't have a fish in my car. I just don't know that I think that's the greatest way to draw people into the kingdom of God. Hey, look, there's a fish on that guy's Sorry, car. Sorry, there's what? nothing on my car either. What does that You're mean? Good. Why is there a fish on his car? Um, but I think at the end of the day, I think there's a sense of salt and light just looks like being the kind of person who brings goodness into so many situations, yeah. right? If there's people that are down, you're encouraging them. If there's people that need a break, you try to offer them a hand. If there's work to be done that demands a little extra, you're the first one to sign up and go, hey, let me help with that. Yeah. I think it's just the the kinds of things where, again, you're doing things that seem counterculture. And back to what we were on a minute ago, you will likely, not always, get the opportunity to explain why you did that. Yeah. Right. But but still do it. (laughs) Right. Be that person that that leads by example is the the caring, compassionate, uh, but not 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 um, not the person who's unwilling to make tough calls to to expect high performance of people. I think, again, some folks who've never led think, well, as a Christian, you know, I could never fire anyone. I'm like, oh, yeah, you have to be willing to fire people (laughs) because sometimes that's what they need. Yeah. Some, it's, it's a form of discipline, you could argue. Sometimes people, and sometimes it's just fit. Like, yeah. you know, you're a great person. This isn't the right fit for you. Let's yep. help you find something where you'll succeed. That's loving, yeah. right? So I think you, you, you come to an understanding that if you're just living in that golden rule way of living, like treating others the way they ought to, you'd like, they'd like to be treated, whatever flavor that you want, then I think you're going to be increasingly distinctive, right? Yeah. I, I think there was more normative, moral, compassionate behavior in our culture. It's decreasing, right? Um, a great book a few years ago, if you haven't read, called Unoffendable by Brand Hansen. I recommend that to everybody. It's such a great read. Like, 
we Christians have fallen into being angry and ticked off about stuff, then that's how the culture knows us. Oh, we're angry about everything. And it's like, that's, that's not who we're supposed to be. Right. (laughs) Right? We're supposed to be loving and caring. We should stand up for justice, but we should not be angry and yelling and condemning. And we do way too much of that. Yep. Absolutely. I think it's brilliant. Uh, Well, Mark, this has been a a great conversation. I want to give you a chance for the last 5%. Uh, So if it's conversation about uh, faith at work, what's, what's kind of your, your last final thought for, uh, for the people listening? Um, You know, I I don't know that I have a a brilliant summation. I guess I should work on that for my next (laughs) big podcast. Um, But I think at the end of the day, I I feel like as believers, your whole theme here of, you know, Monday through Friday and Saturday too, I think so many people still compartmentalize, right? They, they, it's not like they're consciously thinking they're not a Christian at work. They're just thinking, well, I don't know how to be a Christian at work, so I guess I'll just try to be a nice, moral, good person. Mm -hmm. And I think some of it is just intentionality. One of my new favorite words is intentionality. If you're going to have a healthy culture in your business, if you're going to have a healthy work-life balance, if you're going to treat people with dignity and respect, that takes intentionality, purpose, choice. And, and I think a lot of folks just need to be encouraged. Sounds like this is what you're going in your sermon series on, hey, let me encourage you to live your faith out in a winsome, that's a word we don't use in our culture a lot, mm-hmm. right? In a winsome way in yeah. the workplace. Like, don't be a jerk. Don't be condemning of people that disagree with you. Don't assume that if somebody's on one end of the political spectrum or the other, you can't be their friend. Right. You know, all the garbage we see around us in the culture, and yet never sacrificing truth, right? I mean, Jesus exemplified truth and grace, truth and love. And Christians, it sadly seems like they either go over to so much grace, they're not holding on to a yeah. lot of truth. Like everything's okay. No, Jesus no. did not say everything was okay. Right. On the other end, way more I'm afraid on the religious right, so to speak, are so focused on truth, they've lost any sense of grace. Absolutely. And, and like, if you can get an attempt at that balance in the workplace, you're going yeah. to get asked, where is that coming from? Yep. Why do you operate that way? Why do you think that way? Because it is not what I see around me, right? So I think that's the calling. This is awesome. I need you to preach on Sunday. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect, perfect close. Uh, Yeah, probably that's a wish you should (laughs) let go of. I think bad things come from that. I don't know. Be be careful what you wish for. (laughs) Well, I I do appreciate your candor and your your wisdom in in this conversation. So thank you so much for being on on the show. Enjoyed Uh, it. Taking the time from your busy schedule to to hang out with us. I I hope it's helpful. Yeah, absolutely. It was for me. Okay, uh, there you go. Thanks, yeah, so Fred. thank you so much for being a part of this, uh, this podcast. Uh, we'd love to see you next week on Between Sermons.